Welcome back to the AGD podcast series. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Wes Blakesley. April is Oral Cancer Awareness Month, and I thought I could offer a unique perspective by having a conversation with Tom, an oral cancer survivor from my practice. Where I was present at the identification of an abnormal lymph node by my hygienist, Sharon Burns, the referral to his personal physician, the diagnosis, later to a head and neck surgeon at a major cancer hospital in New York City, re-diagnosis, the surgery, the radiation and chemotherapy, and the extreme challenges of post-treatment care. Tom, good morning, and I want to thank you uh, on behalf of all the members uh, listening in for uh, being here to share your journey uh, with all of us, which is still ongoing. Yes, yes, good morning, Wes. Uh, and yes, and thank you for uh, having me on. So I want to take you back to uh, the fall, I believe it was 2018. Uh, I didn't write the date down, but that's in my memory. And, uh, and you came in for a cleaning in, in our office, and Sharon, the hygienist, came over to my room and said, Dr. B, I think you need to come over here. I'm feeling something abnormal in Tom's neck. I think he has an enlarged lymph node. And just take it from there and tell me, tell me how you felt at that moment. <laughs> And then what the next step was for you? Yes, you are correct. It was the, it was the fall. It was like September. And uh, I was just coming in for, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. It was my routine cleaning. And, uh, you know, I know Sharon from getting my teeth cleaned before. And it was business as usual, you know, sitting in the chair. You know, I know I was going to get my brush and my, my little goodie bag. And uh, nothing out of the ordinary. But she did do a little test of my neck with, with her fingers. And, uh, you know. And she said, "No, not to be alarmed, but we—I just feel a little something here. Let me get, let me get the, uh, let me get Dr. West, and uh, and he did come in and he felt it. And I'm saying, no, nothing to be alarmed about, but we, you know, we do feel something. I, I would want you to get that checked, you know. So I, I didn't think too much about it at the time, of course. You, it, but that was, the, I realized on, on looking back, it was the beginning of the seed, planting the seed, like, you know, something might not be right, and." Uh, and I remember getting, he said, just go to see your physician. And I remember going to see my uh, my doctor who was one available. So I had to go see the nurse practitioner, I believe. And uh, they just diagnosed it as possible uh, swollen glands and uh, and gave me the proverbial uh, antibiotic for three weeks. And, uh, and then we left it at that. So at, at that appointment, uh, Tom, did you feel reassured? Uh, after seeing the physician assistant, and nothing against them, by the way, they're they're excellent practitioners and well trained. But were you on alert? Were you were you, were you reassured? Uh, what was your feeling after that visit? From, from their body language and stuff, it seemed to be a routine, uh, you know, a gland problem that they probably see a million sore throats and the thing. So I kind of felt like, oh, nothing really to be concerned about because they don't seem to be. Overly concerned about this. Um, not that it wasn't their line of expertise, but they just uh, they just chalked it up to another uh, swollen gland, and uh, and I guess I took it all in stride and uh, figured I I just thought I would take my penicillin and and when I went back, they would say, yeah, yeah, it looks good now, but uh, obviously that's not what happened. Yeah. Uh, Tom, without being specific, did they uh, ask you on your on your history, on your intake forms for that visit, did they ask you if you had any risk factors uh, that are associated with oral cancer, you know, uh, one of them being smoking, 
alcohol consumption, you know, things like that. Did they, did they try to get a history for you to better understand uh, your presentation? Initially, no, I don't believe that they did actually a, a, you know, an oral cancer type uh, screening thing or anything of that nature. They just, they just uh, really defaulted to, to their knowledge of what they thought it would be. And that would probably be a, a, a you know, a, a throat swollen gland type issue. You know, it just popped in my head, and this happens all the time when I record. You and I, prior to that September meeting, and I remember that was in the fall because that was uh, a few weeks before I was going to Elon University to do a oral cancer program at my son's college. And I remember that you shared with me some trouble swallowing, you had difficulty swallowing, and I remember that stuck in my head. And uh, but anyway, that's something that just popped in my head right now. Uh, and I'm going to assume they didn't review that with you. No, I did always have a thing. They, I remember getting uh, chalked up to uh, uh, some type of GERD or some type of reflux, and I remember taking some type of antacid. But it never. I always seemed to have. Uh, it's always. It was almost like uh, I try to explain it. And sometimes I, I was seemed like I was talking to blank faces. And it's like almost I have a, a feeling like I need to swallow, and, and it's just an uncomfortable thing. Especially at nighttime, I always feel like I needed to clear my throat. And, uh, you know, that never really got diagnosed. Interesting. Okay. Well, this hold that in abeyance for right now. So then from there, you went for a scan because uh, appropriately they wanted to find out if anything on a scan appeared abnormal. And uh, so you did that locally, and then you had to wait, what, a, four to six weeks for that? How long did you wait? Yeah, I had to wait several weeks. It, it, I remember that was that was that's when it started with the waiting and, and everything seemed to be uh, there was no sense of urgency I guess from they, they deal with this a lot so everything takes time. I remember after after seeing the practitioner my uh, re, return visit and she said you know you really should see an ENT and that you know and so I went to see uh, an ENT up in the uh, up in the Red Bank area and. Uh, and he ordered a scan and, and didn't really like the uh, the visual he was getting from the scan. And uh, I think I had a couple of scans. I forgot the exact uh, what type of uh, pictures they were, but then uh, they did send me finally for a uh, a biopsy, which from initial observation to biopsy was, was quite a bit of time. You know, we were talking, you know, a, lot, a big, pretty big block of time, which was uh, led to a lot of anxiety and and, uh, you know, bad thoughts. I understand that, <laughs> being a cancer survivor also. So you you went to a local hospital, we're not going to name it, you had a biopsy. Not a great experience, was it? No, it was not a great experience. Um, I had, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm in great shape. You know, I, I think I just ran 50 miles the week before this, and here I am in, in just in a whirlwind in my mind saying, like, number one, I don't have time for cancer. You know, number two, I don't like how these people are just not treating me as a person here. They're just going about their their routines, and and I mean they're sticking a huge. I'm looking at the needles that they're they're, they're going to poke around in my neck for uh, to get to the lymph nodes, and they didn't even say, "Listen, brace yourself. This is going to hurt. This is you know what to expect. Uh, we're going to localize this area." Where it was nothing. It was just, and you know. Nothing about it. It's, it this is going to hurt. It hurt like hell and didn't say listen, uh, I sit through this. Th there was nothing, you know, 
And uh, I remember being uh, just leaving. I said, I hope this isn't the journey. I hope, I hope I don't, this isn't the, the beginning of something that is going to be like this. And, uh, and, and finally, uh, I think it took like three weeks for finally to get the, the call back about the, uh, the results of the biopsy. And at this time, it's really starting to eat away at my, uh, you know, my thought process and, and, and my quality of life, actually. So tell us about the phone call, uh, about receiving the phone call, where you were and what your reaction was. Okay. I, I remember being at work and, um, and uh, I worked in a, a, a public tech facility. So I remember being in a, in a, in a place where, uh, you know, I was with people and, uh, and I could almost feel the, the heat from the phone ringing, you know, it was just, I look down and I see that, I see that, you know, I put the doctor's name on my phone, you know, here it is the middle of the day and they don't, I, and I answer it and it was, uh, it was the words, you know, Tom, yes, uh, you have squamous cell carcinoma, you have cancer. And I remember feeling like a piece of glass. It didn't stick. It, he just said it. And once you say it, because like, all this time before that, it wasn't, it wasn't said. You know, it was just, well, you might, this might be this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about it until it happens. You know, you got all these people telling you, don't worry, do this, do that. And now it's said, and now you can't go backwards. So now I remember calling my wife, I mean, I, and and telling my, my coworker there, I, I, I just said, you know, I have cancer. And it's like, you know, for all the people in, in your life, dealings and people that have it that are close to you, people that have passed, and now now it's you and it, it's... You just you're just filled with uncertainty and you know it's just a uh, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I would describe it as being hit by an arrow, and yeah. and you're just you're you're just stunned. Uh, so you're I know uh, because we've talked about this because uh, you're also my friend and you're numb, and I get that. Uh, yeah. I get that. So <clears throat> all right. Uh, so then next step was to uh, we talked. And uh, and my advice was to go to a major cancer center the way I did up in New York City, Sloan Kettering, Memorial Sloan Kettering, excellent hospital. So take it from there. Yeah, so I, I did, I, I first, I, you're one of the first people I reached out to, you know, being, you know, on top of my original diagnosis. And now I'm starting to, starting to get a little glimpses of, of gratitude for the way things, I, and along with the miracles. As if she didn't check for me, I wasn't, there was no signs of it really. I would just keep going out in my life. I could have gone on another, you know, 10 years and God knows what would have happened in the meantime, you know? So I'm starting to think, wow, things are happening here for a reason. I got, I got to be more receptive to, to what's going on. So, you know, um, what was the question again? I'm sorry, Wes. <laughs> That's okay. It's very emotional time for me as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you and I talked and I did some research and found uh, a cancer uh, surgeon okay. up there, Dr. Boyle, uh, Sloan Kettering in New York. And then uh, you went up to visit with him, and then and then take it take it from there. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I did okay. I, I, after my initial contact with with the uh, ENT, who was a good guy, but when he sent me to the, his practicing hospital, which was, you know, I went. I didn't yeah. like my experience there. I said, you know. And, and you know, you, there's only one, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And I'm like, you know, that first impression I left there, 
I don't want to leave my life in the in the hands of you know that that's what I see there. So people could say, no, no, it's usually not like that. He might, you know, but I'm just thinking, you know, I don't want to just be another test pattern, you know, on this guy's chart here. So um, I took your advice and and I went up to Sloan and, and it was just from the moment I walked in, I knew I was in the right place and. And I met Dr. Boyle, who was the head and head and neck guy, the head guy, and um, you know he 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 did a thorough you know examination, and you know I got more news that I really didn't want to hear, but you know they're saying you know it's in your lymph nodes, but then I got it just seemed to be getting worse, and he said, but that you know someone in my background, he's saying uh, that's not the primary source. And I'm saying, well, what the hell does that mean? That's not the primary source. There's more? Like, this ain't bad enough? So he's going, no, it's coming from somewhere else. And then they had, a, they had to, uh, you know, take the time to, to diagnose exactly where it was coming from. They said, you know, you're, we're going to look at your tonsils, and if they look suspicious, you know, we're going we're gonna to take them out, and we're going to biopsy them as well. And uh, sure enough, they, they, they examined me, and they had surgery and they, my tonsils look suspicious. And, you know, to have your tonsils removed at 62 years old was, was horrific. I mean, you know, here I am trying to maintain weight and trying to eat. And now, now I got surgery on my, I got cancer. Now I got to get my tonsils removed. It was, it was horrific, but, um, you know, they did diagnose it and they came back positive. So we had that going on and, uh, to exacerbate things, uh, you know, they said, you know, so we got the lymph node. We're going to take out the uh, we're going to take out the tonsils, but we see a little spot under your under your left arm, your axilla area. It's just a blip, probably nothing, because it's very, very, very rare that you know this type of oral cancer spreads to under your axilla. That, uh, but if it did, it's it's um, stage four metastatic cancer. There's really no cure, but that's. But that's really unlikely. So put that into your into your thinking process. Now now you got this. You think you can't get any worse, and now now you're going down. Okay, it's gone from my it's gone from my lymph node. It's gone to my tonsils. It's going to now it's in my axilla. Now I'm stage four. Now I'm metastatic. Now now it's gone from you know how much time do I have? And and you're thinking of I'm thinking of my wife and my son and my and. and, and my God and my Lord and, and everything and surrounding myself with whatever I can to to keep my emotional stability and, and, and not fall apart on a daily basis in front of my son, in front of my wife, which I failed many times. I would just sit there and just and just start crying and, and, and it was a terrible thing to put my wife and son through. But um so it it came back, they they tested the spot under my arm and it, and it, I remember my wife took the phone call this time, and it came back positive. So now I now I have now that now it's spread from my to my axilla, which is you know under my arm. Now now it's stage four metastatic, and and that's where my uh, and that's where my journey began. So now you have metastatic cancer, and thankfully you're at probably the best hospital I would say on the East Coast. It probably ranks up there nationally with any. A major cancer uh, hospital and center. So now the decision was made, I guess, by Dr. Boyle and his team to do simultaneous radiation and chemotherapy, and you're still raw from surgery. And I've, and I've seen my son go through a tonsillectomy, 
and I took a week off of work just to hold him when he was 10 years old. And that's a, that's a kid, that's a child, not an adult. So t take it from there, radiation and chemo, and you're not even healed from surgery. Tell us about that. Right, I remember being around Thanksgiving, and, and so I have to try to heal the best I can, but they, they don't want to prolong this too long because they want to start, you know? And, you know, one of the upsides to being a runner is, you know, I'm in my 60s, but I'm in pretty good shape, you know? Um, so I guess my body could take it, whatever that means, but, uh, you know, to, to put yourself through this, I mean, I, I take my vitamins and I do a lot of healthy eating. I do a lot of organics. And now to say, you know, I have to stop taking my antioxidants, another thing to mess with your mind and say, no, that, that, that counteracts the, the chemo and the radiation. So we want to get you off any, any antioxidant vitamins. And so, so they, they, they did the, we had to heal a little bit from the, uh, how to heal from the uh, surgery, which now eating became a, a, a major part of my, of my my issue here because, you know, I have a physique of a runner and I'm not, I don't have a lot of excess, you know. So now I'm, I'm trying to keep my caloric intake, but try that after having a tonsillectomy and uh, having your throat, radi you know, getting ready for radiation. So that that's another story about how I maintain my uh, nutrition. <clears throat> So we, uh, really, we we set up the radiation. We set up the radiation, and uh, and we started that several weeks after that. And uh, and I can continue. Go ahead. I just want to uh, before I forget, uh, there's one uh, compound that we had our local pharmacy uh, make for you. We we nicknamed it Magic Mouthwash. It's kind of a generic term, and if anyone listening in goes online, you'll see it has you know two, three, four, five. We had six ingredients in ours. And I know that helped you. My recollection was it helped you to eat. Yes, big time. I I, I came to you because they, they they didn't really seem to have a handle on what you know orally. They had you know you know the radiation and all that down, but they didn't really seem to have. They just had like lidocaine, which was which was really not doing it by itself and. Uh, so uh, I, I asked I asked Dr. West here, and um, and we had some we we both did some research, and he came up with the uh, what we call the magic mouthwash, and we had to go. I remember finding a uh, he had to find a, a compounding pharmacy that would work with him to put it together, and the ingredients I don't know off the top of my head, but whatever it was working together, it, my my throat was so raw from the surgery, and it it helped me to actually get down what I needed to get down, which was liquid at this point, but they were a uh, high protein caloric shakes. I was getting, I remember like 1200 calories per shake. I was putting almond butter and goji berries and hemp seeds and a list of uh, organic uh, avocado oil. And just my wife was, we did all this research and my son. So I was having three of those a day at night. I would put a little ice cream in it, it would be my treat. So I was getting, you know, like I said, about 1200 calories per shake. And because of this, treatment that I was getting from the oral, you know, gargling and, and, and uh, coating from this magic mouthwash was, was pivotal in my, uh, in my recovery. Yeah, I just wanted to just uh, mention to the members listening in, there are six constituents. This is not my recipe. I got this through uh, uh, a dentist friend of Linda Miles, who's been on the podcast, and uh, I work with her on her uh, uh, Oral Cancer Quest Foundation. So here it is. It's uh, uh, Benadryl, 
<clears throat> antihistamine and local anesthetic. Mylanta is the base of it. Viscous lidocaine, tetracycline, uh, antibiotic, nystatin, antifungal, and dexamethasone, which is a uh, steroid. And if you can compound that, it can uh, really uh, help your patients uh, with, their, with their caloric intake, as Tom mentioned. So uh, if anyone wants that, I went through it pretty fast, they can reach out to me through the AGD. So uh, 35 treatments uh, of radiation and chemotherapy. Uh, talk, and, and, you, and I have to mention also that you were gracious enough to videotape me pretty much weekly through your journey, just so I would learn with you what a patient goes through when they're undergoing chemotherapy, irradiation, hydration. Uh, and I want you just to talk about that a little bit. And I just want to mention, again, to the folks listening in, that one of the coolest things was you'd bring your guitar when you're uh, uh, undergoing chemo and hydration, and you would play music to the other people in your unit. I thought that was really neat. Yeah, that that's, you know, it's an inside job, this whole healing thing. And I knew that when I would bring joy to others and there's people, you know, you'll see that are much worse off than I was, you know, and here I am, you know, I'm the center of my own attention, of course. And oh my God, how could this happen to me, man? You know, and all this, and I'm in good shape and I all do this and I, you know, and then I see the people there and I, I'd bring, I'd be in a chemo chair for six hours sometimes, you know, hydration therapy, chemo infusions. And I would bring my little travel guitar and I would sit there and the nurses would come in and I'd be in the waiting room and I, I'd be playing some John Dever for everybody. And, and it really started the journey of healing from within where I knew that if I was going to get better, I had to start with myself here and, and take and, and turn around all that negativity and doom and gloom and count on the Lord and, and count on these, the kids in my life that helped me through this and, and, and the family members and, and, and the people that you lined me up with. Um, another dentist that I used to call on a weekly basis who ha he went through a, a similar battle and, and you, just, you just flood yourself with this positive energy. And getting back to, to uh, Sloan for a minute, when I started my radiation, I met this brilliant, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Dr. Yu, up there, he was a brilliant young doctor, and he was going to radiate my my lymph nodes in my neck. But he also, we had this issue with the stage four metastatic cancer under my arm. He said he's never done this before. This is one for his journals. He'd be wonderful. I'd be interested in positioning myself on a radiation board as to bend my arm over my head, and he was going to radiate my throat and the surrounding area because where all the tonsils were and all that area, that whole area had to be radiated because it's all painted. And, uh, and, he, and he did my underarm at the same time. So this was one for the record book. And uh, you know, three months of that constant radiation and, uh, and, it, and I came out looking pretty good at the end of it. But then your story is ongoing. Because about, I think, a year later, at least I'm looking at my dates here, uh, you got some more news, and I want you to talk about that. Yeah, well, uh, my, my last radiation treatment, I'll never forget, was like uh, was June, uh, January 16th of uh, 19. And uh, I've been, you know, you go for these scans, you never, you always got this little tinge of, you know, I got to go for my scan next month, I got it, you know, and it's always 
you know, it's never, oh, you're fixed. You know, you, you, you got a, a broken bone. It's healed. You're good to go. It's stronger now than ever. You always have that hanging over your head, the cancer. It's always looming. So I had to go back for uh, another month, uh, you know, every two months. I had to go for a scan. And they said, you know, we see, uh, here we go again. I'm saying we see a little something in your mediastinum, your chest area. And uh, we got three little spots there we, we want to check. And that turns into a couple of scans. And then, and then it turns into we have to send you to uh, New York City because we don't do this here. And uh, I had to go to New York City to get a biopsy. And uh, and we have to biopsy the three areas in your in your lung chest area. And uh, unfortunately, to say they came back positive. So um, here I am sitting here today, March sixth, two thousand twenty, and I'm just finished another round of radiation treatments. It's uh, funny the way, not funny, but uh, the day of my last treatment for my neck area, a year to the exact same date. January 16th, I started my round two of my radiation treatment. So right now I'm in the middle of fighting this dreaded oral expansion from my tonsils to my lymph node, to my axilla, and now to my mediastinum and in my chest with three areas. So right now I'm in the middle of just finished my radiation treatment. This time my esophagus got burned and, uh, you know, terrible, totally different than my neck area because the neck, once you got to pass your throat, it went down to your stomach, you're okay. This is, once it gets down into your stomach, it's nothing but agony. So now I'm drinking lidocaine and, and it's really not a throat issue. So it's not something that the magic matter wash would do. So it's more in my, in my, in my stomach and in my, and in my esophagus and the burning going down. So. I had to deal with some pain medication and some and some lidocaine and some caraphate and you put that all into your system and then you try to try to eat. You know, I lost six pounds, which is which is a lot for me and my 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 current uh, physique and weight. So so I'm battling through it again and uh, you know I'm standing tall. I, I, I you know I went to the gym yesterday, so I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to claw my way out of this. I got God by my side. I got my a good wife. I got a, I got the oral specialist here, Dr. Wes here. So it takes everything in my life to get through this stuff. It takes all the people, all all the positive things, every prayer ever said. It takes everything that I have to get through this, you know. And uh, and that's where I'm at right here today, here and now. Well, I've known you for a while now, and I know you're a fighter, and from one former runner to a present runner, you've got the mental toughness to get through this. And certainly the prayers of, of everyone who has met you, who's known you. I know you received an award at uh, from the Shore Sea, which is the local running club here, which was pretty neat. Uh, let's end this on something positive because you're such a positive person, uh, you and, and your, your wife. Uh, the Weekend of Hope in Vermont, let's go through that and then uh, uh, and then we'll put some contact information out for any members listening in. Okay, yeah, there's Weekend of Hope. It's um, something I did uh, last year as a first-time member, you know, and I'm always always against it because I didn't want to make this a public thing, and I didn't want to talk about it, and you know. But uh, of course, going up there and meeting other cancer survivors, and and knowing that we have a responsibility to each other, you know, as humans, because I could I could wind up helping people 
and they wind up helping me. I've, I've got relationships with um, other people that, that, that are going through a head and neck uh, situation. And uh, we still keep in contact now. And uh, I mean, I'm sitting in a room with, with some the top surgeons and doctors and they would volunteer their time and I could just sit down with maybe three or four other cancer patients and, and ask them questions one-on-one. It's, 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 it's absolutely amazing. And then we get to share some, some fellowship together and, 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 some, and some, you know, miracles. And we tell each other about the miracles and, and the downside and what it's like to, 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 to contemplate your own mortality, you know, and how it's, what it's like to, to look at your wife in the eye and, and, and just say, you know, I love you more than anything in the world and mean it from your soul. And what it's like to, to put your hand out and have to receive help from people. You know, and if, if that's not your forte, you know, I don't like asking for help. I never did, you know, but now you're in a position to accept help and, and to give help. You know, you got one hand up and one hand out and it just changes your perspective on life. And, and here it is coming up again. And I'm going to go to this uh, weekend of hope again up in Vermont. And uh, if you ever know someone with cancer, it's for it's for helpers as well as as, as survivors. And, uh, you know, my wife has is, is been the backbone of my existence and um she's made me see myself you know as she sees me you know and, and you know without that love or without that strong connection i i certainly wouldn't be here well tom that's a great message uh i mean i i know you probably as well as a lot of your friends and i'm so inspired by you and uplifted in so many ways uh so thank you i know this took a lot it's very it's very emotional for me too uh, but I really thank you for uh, for sharing this with everyone listening in today. Uh, if anyone who has uh, listened to the podcast and would like more information, just you can write to me through news at agd.org. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you too.